This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Outer Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Outer Blue Convictions, market analysis and asset allocation views. Hello, and welcome to this Amundi Convictions podcast. It's my pleasure to welcome Monica Defend, head of the Amundi Institute, who'll be discussing the big market trends and views on asset allocation with me, Swaha Patanaik, head of publishing. Monica, it's great to have you with us. Thank you, Swaha. It's always my pleasure. Brilliant. Let's kick off. Um, so, Monica, the IMF spring meetings that we discussed last time are over, but Washington is still firmly in the spotlight, it seems. <laughs> This time, it's because of the U.S. debt ceiling negotiations that look like they might be going down to the wire. You're expecting a deal sooner or later, Monica. Um, but how damaging do you think this showdown might be to the economy if it drags on and the U.S. Treasury is forced to defer some spending? Sure, as well. As you were pointing out, uh, we do believe that debt ceiling negotiations will likely uh, carry on until the very last minute and remain uh, the main market driver. Uh, there is some optimism over a potential deal that has led to a sharp rally, both in equities and a sell-off in, in the fixed income over the last few days and, and weeks. And as you were saying, we don't see the U.S. to default over its debt obligations, and both parties actually excluded uh, the case for, uh, for a default. So the open issue refers to spending cuts, uh, but Biden sees that the, what the Republicans have been proposing unacceptable. And this is where we think some spillover uh, to people uh, will, uh, will occur. And this is, uh, you know, that we expect a recession uh, by shallow to kick in in the, in the second half. And if uh, the spending cuts and no payments uh, will be prosecuted uh, for a long time, let's say, uh, beyond uh, two weeks, this uh, will be uh, having an effect on the U.S. consumers. And this is raising uh, the downside risks to our recession, shallow recession call uh, in, the, in the United States. Great. So let me ask you, there's supposed to be a separation of church and state between Treasury and the Fed. So central bank policy is supposed to be completely independent. But the Fed can't really ignore what's happening with the economy, especially given we are at a critical juncture with the debt ceiling talks and that may have an economic fallout. What's your central view for Fed policy rates and would there be any impact on that if the talks keep dragging on and on? Well, there is no consensual uh, view on the on the Fed and the market is still betting on a catch. We don't see uh, this to materialize, and actually, we think the Fed will uh, will pause. They will uh, uh, remain focused on uh, on inflation, but uh, cuts will uh, materialize uh, in uh, 2024. Um, Unless uh, there is a really uh, further, uh, further much stress uh, on the on the economy, but as we were saying, our base case is for a shallow uh, recession. Where do you see the most complacency in the markets, given your views that you've just outlined on the economy and your expectations on Fed policy? Financial markets continue to bet on a deal. 
as usual, uh, but perhaps they are excessively confident on, on the outcome. We see actually a gap uh, that is um, widening between fundamentals, risks, and valuations in several areas, in particular in the U.S. stock markets and on the high-yield uh, spectrum. Both asset classes are definitely pricing in a rosy sh- scenario, maybe too too rosy, uh, with a slowdown that might occur, but it's not too drastic, but enough uh, to uh, trigger the Fed uh, to alter its uh, monetary policy curves. We don't see uh, easing until uh, next year. So, a downgrade uh, in the um, on the uh, U.S. government bonds could disrupt money markets, leading to liquidity tightening. While, uh, as per the Fed, one month unpassed with the Treasury meeting all payments could cause a rise in the uh, 10 years yields, while a drop fall, actually, in the stock market and in the U.S. dollar. Great. I mean, you've already started touching about stock markets, so let's start there. And uh, perhaps you could tell us how your the macro backdrop, the policy backdrop, is reflected in your asset allocations views this month. Definitely is, uh, uh, is reflected remarkably. Uh, our exposure is still very much defensive. Um, we are um, underweighting uh, the equities in the developed market with a cautious stance on, uh, on uh, U.S. equities. We think that uh, we see the market uh, year to date be moved by a selected group of, of mega caps and we see um, a widening gap between mega and small cap. Um, volatility remains low. Uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, the financial markets, the equity side, is not fully discounting uh, some pressure that we see coming on the earnings side. So it's really crucial uh, to remain focused on quality and names that have sufficiently resilient uh, margin that uh, might uh, prevent uh, and might provide some safety uh, amid the deceleration in the uh, economic uh, activity, as we do expect. Uh, European um, equities, uh, we have low conviction on the on the rally. We see margin holding up nicely in selected sectors, and probably uh, the region might benefit from its uh, external trade relation, but we are carefully on how much of China reopening is already priced in. Uh, to conclude on emerging market, we are more constructive as the slowing growth in the developed market world is taking, th- is taking place at a time where uh, we are seeing um, growth uh, prospects uh, materializing in the uh, in the in the emerging market region, but um, we are positive on uh, Chinese and Indonesian equities, but watchful uh, because we have knowledge that China might witness an uneven pace of recovery. And recently in Latin America, we slightly raised our commission on Brazil, but we continue to monitor the fiscal reform path. Sure. You you mentioned the Chinese um, outlook, maybe sort of not all smooth sailing in the immediate future. How is the growth outlook shaping up and what do you see as perhaps a little bit uh, of the bumps in the road? Recent data uh, that have been released on China are confusing. One of the reasons is that they change the statistical methodology of collection of this data, but uh, we've been uh, looking uh, into it with uh, very careful and 
um, April data on housing were positive, but were not great, while May data are, are negative. So uh, we would like really to see uh, how May uh, will uh, will close in order to um, possibly revise our 6% GDP growth expectation uh, for uh, this year. So growth will remain decent, but the road is, is bumpy. Having in mind that 5% is the official uh, growth target that authorities uh, have been stating for uh, for China, it is unlikely that they will intervene with more accommodation. Okay. Um, you covered equities just now. Perhaps I could ask you a little bit more about the fixed income front. Bonds are back, have been a motto for um, your team, for the investments team for a while. Where do you see bonds going uh, in your asset allocation piece? Well, as we expect a progressive slowdown in the U.S. economic activity, we remain slightly constructive on U.S. duration. But uh, as we were, I've been mentioning several times during this uh, this podcast, uh, because of the ambiguity on what the Fed will uh, will deliver, uh, we think it is really necessary to remain flexible and and agile. Um, when it turns to the duration in the euro area, we've been gradually exploring a move towards uh, neutrality. Um, credit market, we are cautious. We prefer IG, but we need to watch out on corporate fundamentals. We remain defensive on uh, on our yield. Okay. Um, so it's never all doom and gloom in markets. Even I hear the caution that you're mentioning uh, uh, through the podcast. But um, which countries or market segments are you sort of more positive on? Perhaps we could focus. You've mentioned a few already, but is there anything else? In the equity spectrum, we have been lately upgrading Japanese equity, uh, given improving corporate governance and, and valuation. But we stay watchful because this is a region that is export oriented and might uh, be impacted by the global slowdown. While emerging market local debt, um, we, we've been uh, we are now more constructive because uh, we see a slowing rate path in the developed market, and we expect the U.S. dollar uh, to to weaken further. Great. Um, let me uh, sort of our last question finish up with Japan. Um, the yen tends to be sort of inversely correlated with the Japan's blue chip stock index, the Nikkei 225, given, as you said, the very heavy export orientated weighting. Um, what's your outlook for the yen and how does this mesh with your view on Japanese stocks? We expect the yen uh, to recover some strength versus the US dollar. We have a, a 126 uh, target on a six month horizon and 118 uh, on a 12 month horizon. Uh, why uh, we have not been moving there? Because of disappointing domestic conditions. In particular, we are seeing some negative surprises vis a vis uh, expectations, and this has been delaying. Uh, the strength in the Japanese yen. Local factors uh, related to the Bank of Japan uh, are adding noise uh, on the uh, on the on, on the uh, on the Japanese yen. But uh, the sequencing should be recession in the U.S., falling U.S. dollar um, rates, um, U.S. Treasury uh, moving down, and this should be supportive uh, for uh, the yen moving forward. Perfect. That's really kind of you to take the time to join us and share your thoughts, Monica. Thank you so much, Swaha. 
And thanks to all of you for tuning in to this podcast from Amundi. We hope you'll join us again soon. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors, as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets and financial instruments called MIFID, investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Amundi.